1: Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 775 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined today by J.D. Raider. Father John Kozak in the mix, coming at us to talk some international wrestling. We're going to have a special guest, John Mark Bentley, head coach at App State University. He'll be coming on to talk RTC, NIL, and any other three-letter abbreviations we can think of. Maybe RBI. Baseball opening day tomorrow. Who's to say? Uh, Plenty to get to. One, apparently, uh, J.D. put this in the doc about NIL for high schoolers. Lay it out for us, J.D. What is happening?
2: Uh, It's a thing. It's expanding. It's been a hot topic amongst college athletes, but it's also happening with high school athletes as well. Ohio is voting uh, currently on whether or not they want to allow high schoolers to make money off their name, image, and likeness. Several other states already allow it. Uh, I think California, Kansas, Nebraska, New Jersey, and New York um, specifically allow it, while other states, uh, it's kind of a, a gray area right now where they don't, their laws don't specifically disallow it, but uh, it's maybe could be illegal, but I don't know what y'all's take on high schoolers. Well,
1: f- for you JD, are you kind of like a little regretful that like man if it were you back I, in the I, mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what kind of what what Just think been... about the trajectory?
0: What brand would you have got? Yeah.
1: From? We're Hamilton County, Jewel, Iowa. I mean, honest, obviously there if there's a jewelry store, yeah. That would be perfect. That would be that, that would have been big. The diamond of Jewel, Iowa that could have been your thing, Diamond JD Raider. <laughs> Probably uh Iowa Corn. Iowa Corn. Okay. Very. I should so, have taken over the Seahawks series. So just very, just a very wholesome. Yes. Okay. All right. But that's... eventually led to millions. Yeah. Because what about the pioneers? I probably
2: would have already retired by now, honestly. So it's really our gain that. Um, exactly. NIL I think.
1: all didn't exist in Iowa. Exactly. I think about all that. If I would have invested. Yeah. Starting at 15. We already know where Kozak, was, his uh, representation would have. That's right. Kozak, Mr. Muffler. Kozak. <laughs> it's funny, like. Uh, uh, John's dad came to NCAs because he's uh they're they're uh, they're from like 30 mile or something like that, and they brought us all this out uh, Mr. Muffler swag. So everyone at Flo's been wearing like the hats and these T-shirts. JD yeah. actually wore the T-shirt on FRL. You wouldn't know it because it just looks like a black T-shirt because on the front all the, <laughs> yeah. the print is on the back, mm-hmm. um, which I I can appreciate. That's right. So you'd have been in the pocket of Big Muffler.
0: Big Muffler. So many people
1: about
2: to move to Michigan to start doing business Mm -hmm. for their mufflers from Austin.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's right. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm curious what would the impact uh, on this for wrestling be? I would think minuscule, right? But, um, you know, for for the hype, you think of someone like Bo Bassett in like three, four years, the potential, what what that could mean? I
2: think in high school, NIL – will actually work out as it's somewhat intended to in that businesses will actually be like, oh, maybe I can get a little bit of money by having this popular guy. The local hero. Exactly. Right now, uh, <laughs> by and large part, the biggest denial stories we hear, it's not businesses being like, this is a smart business decision." It's businesses being, it's individuals, being like, I want my favorite team to do better.
1: There was so yeah. much talk of the car dealerships. <laughs> I, I really want to see these guys riding around and like, you know. Nick Lee. Nick Lee, he got the. Uh, okay, Nick Lee. Was it Dodge? I, I can't remember if it was like Dodge or Chevy. It's definitely, he, was, he was in a local. Based on his Twitter, I'm sure it's an American uh, car. <laughs> uh,
2: he was in a, like a commercial, like a state college, like Chevy commercial.
0: Yeah, I think you look at it more as. Oh like, yeah, I remember that now. <laughs> yeah, it was a good commercial, right? Yeah, I think you look at it more as like the the sponsorships between like Brutus Scrap Life. They'll probably try to identify talent early in our sport and you know lock them down yeah. before yeah. they get you know really big. I think that's where you're going to see the impact.
1: How much of, How much of a contract can you get with a high like how How much can you lock up a How long term can you lock up a high school kid? That would be one thing I'd be a little mm-hmm. wary of, mm-hmm. like.
2: I'm not a lawyer. Probably not a lawyer. long, though.
1: Yeah, give it time. You could be. I, I do not – that would be one thing I'd be a little like, okay, well, you know, you don't want – I don't know to I could use a, a brand here. But a brand locking up a kid for like, you know, eight mm-hmm. years for apparel, like, that'd right. be nuts.
2: Uh, yeah. I bet it'll happen a lot in basketball. It already happens in basketball. That's what I
0: was going to say. You see it in, in basketball, football, where it's like, oh, are they, are they Adidas athlete, Nike athlete, whatever. Um, that's where I think it's going to be. Probably that's where we'll see it the most in wrestling.
1: Yeah, well, it'll be it, it'll probably be a topic that's not majorly considered in in wrestling, but I think we'll see it uh, to an extent. I am, uh, you know, obviously the nil thing is ever evolving, right? And sort sure of have different iterations. I don't really care if I. I think it's fine that Ohio and all these other states legalized it. I don't think there's any issue with it. I mean, there's no. There's nothing stopping child actors from, you know, being in shows. I don't understand if you're good. I'm basically
2: <laughs> Just, a, a floodgates guy.
1: You're floodgates. Just let it. Let You're a free market guy is what you are, That's JD. right. That's right. Capitalism. Mm. It's not a bad thing. Okay. So capitalist, JD is fine with it. Are you fine with it, uh, Kozak?
0: Yeah. I mean, I got kids, you know, so I'm thinking. You're thinking NIL deals NIL, for, for yeah, little for, your
1: little ones? For yeah, all of them, so. All of them yeah let's go what is there any early interest i mean you got obviously you have you have ties to the to the Hutto community mm-hmm. deep in the cheer community there that's
0: what, right yeah my my girls really like donuts
1: okay so i donuts. donuts would Red be Rock. a huge get it would be good <laughs> that'd be big
0: we're keeping our options open
1: whatever okay. works out don't for
0: us. uh don't turn into a britney spears
2: father
1: Mm-mm, never no you, he because he lost control you have to maintain control <laughs> yeah, throughout. The. start, yeah. that was his big mistake. Uh-huh. <laughs> you have to keep the conservatorship mm-hmm. uh, long term. Uh, so there's there's always lessons to be to be had. Okay, so that's a little nil stuff. We'll talk more when uh, Coach Bentley comes on here in 20 minutes or so. But it's freestyle season. We're doing mm-hmm. leg laces. We're doing gut wrenches. Uh, we're learning the new rules. We got Kozak here, who is our f- freestyle expert, one of our freestyle experts, one of our many experts of international styles. Uh, we want to talk about one here. Here's the domestic kind of calendar. Here's how, like, what the Open means this year, because what the Open used to mean, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. anymore. It has yep. a little less uh, gravity if you win the Open. But I also want to get to Kozak, and we can go tackle this in any order. What are the major rule changes, um, if any? for this upcoming freestyle scene? Cause I know there's one big one, but curious for oh, any others.
0: Yeah. So, so in match rules, right? That's what we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. So the, there's kind of two big ones. Uh, the first is the shot clock where it used to be, if there was any score at all during the shot clock, uh, then that would end. It would just be the score that happened to end the shot clock. That would be, that would be it. But now if the person who is not on the shot clock scores, they can also get another point when that thirty seconds expires if the person on the shot clock doesn't. Does that make Does that make sense? I know that's kind of like a long, very complicated. Yeah, way to basically, that.
1: if uh, your opponent was on the shot clock, you really didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of incentive to try to score there. You wanted right. to wait thirty seconds. So this uh, does a good job of incentivizing both wrestlers to want to score the entire time.
0: Right. Yeah. So then the other one is, and I, I think I like both of them because I think it increases scoring. So the other big one is. They kind of change the way things work out of bounds uh, when it comes to getting a, a caution. So you, you used to see at the end of a end of a match, uh, if if somebody was down by one person who was down is pursuing, 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 and it, it's called caution one, or they get a step out, they just get one point for that. Now, if they are, it's a clear caution and a clear step out, they'll get one for the step out, and then they'll get another one. Uh, for caution. And so that could be you know a big two point swing. And it kind of also works into the caution. If uh, somebody flees and gets a caution that avoids a takedown, they'll award, they'll award two for that as well. So it kind of increases um, the incentive to stay in bounce rather than just to go out of bounds. So really what we see in folk style, what should be happening, right? People yes. should be staying in bounds, but instead they get rewarded for going out of bounds. We're seeing that kind of rule set come into play in freestyle, which yeah. I, I really like it. I think it's a good thing.
1: It's good. The application will be everything for this. Yes. I can see some complicated scenarios mm-hmm. and when the cautions are and aren't applied, but the spirit of it is in the right place. The
0: spirit of it is stay in bounds. Stay in bounds. You're, you're not gonna have that subjectivity of oh is it one and one or is it you know they where they fling a takedown is takedown imminent is it two so i think it's i think it's good um we could see some some spooky calls
1: yeah it could get spooky it could get spooky mm-hmm. like 125 finals get a little spooky there yeah okay so we'll be on the lookout for the spooky spooky calls but in the end it's not a, not not a huge huge game changing calls a little subtle tweaks And uh, I think they're good. I think it's funny the uh, the shot clock one is so obvious, but I don't think I don't remember ever talking about it with anyone as like. I
2: mean, it is debatable because what is
1: what is the potential negative of it?
2: uh, Guys on the shot clock will not shoot because they could give up a takedown and a step out, Mm -hmm. or and a shot clock point. Instead of once now you give up the takedown or a Mm -hmm. step out, it's like "Eh, I was going to give up that point anyway. Now it's like. No, I'm for sure only giving up one instead of risking giving up more.
1: Yeah. But I think you're never, uh, I th- think there's probably never a time you're more incentivized to try to score though.
2: I, I agree with you. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I don't think it's obvious. Like this wasn't obvious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But
2: I- there is a potential negative. It's not a hundred percent great.
0: Hmm. Yeah. You know, I could see it even like you, you, uh, you see guys get a lead and kind of shut down. You know, maybe like another free point gives like okay they get a takedown when they're on the when the other guys on the shot clock and then they get one more so then they're up three nothing. I mean I don't know maybe they they get the three point lead and they try to shut it down a little bit more but
1: I don't know I don't think that's. I really want to hear Shane Sparks think, you know. take on on JD's mentality there for when you're on the shot clock and want one score he would probably be appalled. That that entire line of thinking. Uh,
2: and for the record, I am in favor of it. I do like it, I think, so far from what I've seen. I, I just...
0: And really, if you remember what happened when the shot clock first came like to be a thing, it seemed like people, when they were on the shot clock, they kind of like freaked out and like, all right, I'm gonna start shooting, shooting, shooting a bunch, and then after they figured out like, oh, I don't need to go crazy, we have the whole match, they kind of just wrestled the same way- They conceded. They even. always wrestled. Especially
1: so we, that first shot clock when it's scoreless. Mm-hmm. I think it'll probably be lower impact, um, but yeah. albeit I do still think we'll see more. We'll inherently see more scoring because the guy that's not on the clock will mm-hmm. have a reason to try to score now. Yeah. Okay. So those are the major changes, not a, not a ton else. Let's get into the uh, the freestyle season, which we, uh, we're we going to sort of have. So the Pharoah kicked it off, I think, mm-hmm. and then uh, give us kind of the path to qualification, who's in, who's out kind of deal.
0: Yeah. I mean, JD's keeping track of all the, the current qualifiers, so you should, you should definitely check Maybe that. Pull that up. Check that article out on flowwrestling.com. Org. Um, slash org.
1: Slash org.
0: Slash org. Com net. Uh, so, US Open is in a couple weeks, April 28th. So, seven qualify from the US Open to the World Team Trials. And then, uh, May 13th is the last chance. So there'll just be one spot available there. And then the World Team Trials is May 20th through 22nd. Um, Is it 21 It's 21-22. Yeah, 21-22. So I think what we're seeing this year is because they took top three at NCAAs, the field that's already qualified, and they took top three or four from World Team Trials last year, the field that's already qualified is like, kind of the guys that we think are the ones who are already in contention. So yeah. it's already deep if they just wrestled those already qualified, you know, right now.
1: What do you think about the uh, top three NCAA qualifiers qualifying for trials? I like it. You like it?
0: I, I think I like it in the fact that it gives those NCAA guys a little bit of a rest, a little bit of a break. They don't have that quick turnaround. Whereas, you know, last year we thought we'd see some guys um, enter – Guys like Ironman, right? Last year for the yep. Olympic trials, we thought, oh man, he he'll be a guy who maybe could make some noise, and we didn't see him enter. Um, I think that was because of the, that quick turnaround. Now uh, they get two months off, heal up a little bit, and maybe it's better a chance they go to World Team Trials. I think the negative is it maybe it takes a little bit of heat away from the U.S. Open.
1: Yeah, and one thing about the Open this year, in past, it's it's certain times giving you a buy to final X. I, and then if there was already someone sitting in final X, I think if you won the open, you would sit to the world team trials mm-hmm. finals, but now us open winners, um, quote only get the one seed at mm-hmm. world team trials. So the incentive to win the open, not the same as it was, uh, in years past. What are your thoughts on that, on that change?
0: Yeah, I think you look at it as, what means more now? Like the U.S. Open doesn't mean as much now as the World Team Trials does. So maybe the, you know they put more, more focus on that World Team Trials, make that worth a little bit more. Um, I think it really uh, for like weights that like sixty-five and seventy. What's the what's the point other than getting the one seed? So it's really takes that incentive away. So I, maybe we don't see Yanni at the Open or. McKenna, um, James Green, guys like that—that that maybe formerly would have would have entered. So, again, it takes heat away. So, between the NCAAs and between the the one seed thing, I think the Open really kind of is, is devalued.
1: When you think about seventy, you know what the value of the one seed there? It's like, man, as deep as we think seventy is going to be, I'm not sure there's much value in the one, right? I mean, who, mm-hmm. I'm not sure who you're going to wind up with, but that thing goes six, seven, eight deep. Yeah. So it's not you're not gonna have a much of an advantage there.
0: Yeah, the value is at sixty five for sure. Because yeah. you look at our you look at our top three guys there. You got Yanni, you got Nick Lee, and you got Joey McKenna, and you could see any one of those guys win win the world team spot. Yeah. But if they're stuck down there at the two three, then they're battling it out. So I think that's where you would wanna be the one is at sixty five.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, obviously all three of those guys have beaten each other, right, mm. at different points. Well Nick Lee's actually, beaten Yanni. Has Yanni beaten Nick Lee? Mm. They may have never he wrestled. May have had, you may have he beat him back. at Olympic team trials.
2: Nick Lee beat Yanni. Yeah, I know. But has but Yanni? I don't beaten think Nick so. Lee? I think that's something they've wrestled.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So that that'll be interesting. Um obviously Yanni's talked a lot about that match and like wrestling back after After losing to Jordan in the semis and that crazy, crazy finish there. So it would be fun to see that again. I don't know if we will. Um, But for someone like Yanni, I mean, Yanni, they've been wrestling a bunch. Joey McKenna wrestles all over the place. Nick Lee just finished his NCAA season just like Yanni. uh, There's not going to be a lot of Matt Rust unless you really feel like you need some freestyle-specific reps before uh, World Team Trials.
0: Yeah, Yanni and Nick Lee wrestled at the Binghamton Open oh. 2019.
1: Well, I would imagine that uh, young John won that one. Yeah, he did. Since he doesn't lose, he has one loss mm-hmm. ever.
2: It'll be interesting to see if they go with because Yanni won the world team spot after the Olympics, Nick Lee didn't wrestle. So they're going to go.
1: Yeah, Yanni, we... Yanni will get the benefit of that. I yes, uh, I, I, think, I think, think he should. So. I think he should too. Think that makes think that makes sense, especially since he beat McKenna to make to make that make team.
0: team.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, who is I I I'm scrolling through. I sent Tyler this article, the world team or the qualifiers for world team trials. Who is Michael Tortorris?
0: He wrestled the feral, right? Yes, he, he did. Seven kilos. I don't mm-hmm.
2: know. I
1: can't say He's that. Wrestled
2: I, sporadically since like 2018. Okay,
1: I I can't say I know this guy. <laughs> I don't think I've watched him wrestle. Um, yeah, he can? might be an SEO strategy manager. As I just, uh, I just googled him. That's the top thing. His LinkedIn. SEO. Great. <laughs> he's,
0: he's doing a good job.
1: Uh, it's great SEO from Michael. <laughs> if that's what he does, let's see. No, I don't think this is him. Uh, so he wrestled. Uh... No, different guy. <laughs> he's not. He's not the uh, SEO guy. He went to UW Whitewater, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So he beat um, Nico Provo, I think, at the Feral. He actually did lose to Greg D. But then. But then because Greg D lost to Provo. Zane Richards won,
2: but he was already qualified. Mm-hmm. And then so you got your round robin. Rikers to light.
1: A and r- round mm-hmm. robin, as it were. Okay. Well, he's in. Yep. Okay. Um, looking around. Oh, let me pull this article up again. What do we know about the early registrants for for the US Open? Does it look just like super early registrants not a, not a ton to glean at this point?
0: Yeah, for the for the Open, mm-hmm. um both for men's and women's freestyle, it's it's really down. Uh, Greco is a little bit more um but yeah, there hasn't been huge names to enter. Uh, that article is is up as well. I just just updated that this morning, actually. Thank you. Um so you can see the yeah you can see the registration for every age every age group U15 even um, at the open but yeah you can I mean yeah you can scroll through some of those names there Tyler for the uh, men's freestyle and you know you got you got a few guys in there Gabe Tag um, notable Zach Roll Kyle Schuh Colt McCrystal I think's in there as well but no no big big names you you look at oh there's Tommy Gantt. But, um, yeah, Pantelio, I think, still has to qualify. So, I'm sure he'll be in there. Um,
2: People forget it was Vegas 2019 when Gabe Tagg pinned RBY.
1: People forget. Not on this show because you bring it up all the time. <laughs> I, think you, I, think, uh, I think you're getting paid by the Tag family to, to <laughs> keep dropping that result. Yeah. I think – that come up on air? I th- was that just in the office? No, we talked about it on FRL was that? with Ben. Yes, <laughs> last week. I'm almost positive. I thought that was just in the office. Yeah, I yeah. think I think JD has a side hustle going. He gets a he gets a little cash every time he <laughs> brings up the Gabe Tag stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. You know, do, do you, young blood? Do we think is there any chance we see Carr test the waters at 70? Is that crazy? He hasn't. Mm-hmm. He's traditionally gone. 74, and I thought he was, like, on the big side for 157, but 74 is not too far – or 70 is not too far off. I wonder if there's any chance he, he heads down.
0: I think that's – I mean, if he's if he really wants to make a world team, that's
1: what he, he, he should do. do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's, he's someone who has wrestled a ton of freestyle. Now, after how his season ended, getting third, is that going to be something that where he's, like – super fired up he's like you know wants to kind of get back on the mat and get mm-hmm. start having some success or is it something that's like all right maybe i need to take a time and do a do a little bit of a reset and a little mm-hmm. time away from the mat i'm curious yeah i think uh
0: I, I think i did hear him on uh bash's podcast it's him and him and um what's his name brooks said that they were both going to world team trials nice so well that'll be interesting yeah, be cool um also kirk fleet isn't qualified yet i don't think oh really uh yeah, Mason Paris is qualified, but uh, Kirkfleet's not. And I he's a guy who I could see, you know, making making the finals, making final X and, and pushing Gwiz. So I would like to see him at the open as well.
1: Yeah, you, you would think with his freestyle win over Mason at and he's also beaten Mason in Folk style now two times. You gotta mm-hmm. figure he's got that edge there. And I I'd be surprised honestly, based on Mason's Instagram post after mm-hmm. the season, i am kind of be surprised if he wrestles uh, right. freestyle. I assume
2: he'll take the summer off.
1: Because you got to get healthy at some point for the, you know, 2023-2024. the Team big, 101. For t- and also Team 101, of course. <laughs> but also you have to figure 2023 World Team Trials and then the upcoming 2020. Huge leading
2: 20, into 2024.
1: 2024, you really want to be right for that one. So curious if we'll see that, which that would – even uh, that would lower the the barrier for for Kirkfleet. They're still going to be the the same old tough guys. Uh, well, wait. here's my question. It says O.T.T. third for for Mason. I thought that that's where Kirkfleet beat him. Or did Kirkfleet beat him? Yeah, Kirkfleet beat him. Um, front side. Front side. Okay, got it. Because um, I seeing Mason got third, but then I got confused. Okay. Guys like Don Bradley, Hayden Zilmer, Anthony Nelson, Tony Nelson, Colton Schultz. I'm curious if we'll see him do freestyle. I would assume
2: he'll just
1: do Greco, but maybe.
0: Yeah, I think he should do Greco. Well, I mean, he's...
2: he was literally going overseas during folk style season for Greco. Greco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. Seems
1: mm-hmm. like he'll be the guy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he made made his world team last year, right? First senior, mm-hmm. senior world team. So, yes, I think you should stick with that. Um, I think I don't think Kuhn's around anymore.
1: Yeah, what's he doing? Is he doing science mm-hmm. stuff? Probably astronaut He's stuff. Build, build, build building, He's building rocket ship stuff. Yeah. Okay. Good, good rocket for Adam Kuhn. So yeah, for Kirkfleet, the path to a world team is not uh, not insurmountable. Now, who know, knows how it goes with someone as savvy as Quiz? But mm-hmm. Kirkfleet's the real deal, and I think. For, I think freestyle probably suits him better, Mm -hmm. too. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, only, uh, Tummy time is encouraged for a
1: short amount of time, and then you get up. 15 seconds of tummy time, get back up. Mm -hmm. You're good to go. Yep. So, yeah, heavyweight really looks like Gwiz Gwiz is one of the – is he one of the bigger favorites to make the team again?
0: Yeah, probably. I mean, with with how those matches went against Paris last year, they didn't look close. Now we know now wasn't 100 but yeah he was and Gwiz even at worlds looked looked to be wrestling as as good as ever
1: yeah what so the big favorites if nine or is Kyle is obvious Kyle Snyder's a huge favorite if unless Mm. Jaden comes up in Mm. which case it you know that would be pretty and then Jaden at 92 David 86 a big favorite Burrow's gonna have his handful now he's only got to beat one guy but if it's if it's Carter or Ringer you know it's gonna be tough. I think David's gonna have his hands full with whoever comes out, whether it's mm-hmm. Aaron or Zahid or yeah, yeah, probably gonna be one of those guys. And that goes back to what we were talking about: U.S. Open
0: and World Team Trials. Like World Team Trials is gonna be so good this Insane. year. It's gonna be really, really good. Um, so
1: last thing, uh, Dake um, probably got to be the biggest favorite though, yeah. with uh, seventy-four null. Probably being the number one contender there. You saw,
0: saw what he did.
1: Oh, my it's gracious. Yes, year. we did. <laughs> but enough about that. Our special guest is here, Coach John Mark Bentley. Thank you for uh, your second time on, on FRL, becoming a uh, a consistent guest. Appreciate you coming. How are things in Boone?
3: Now things are great this morning. Sunshine's out. It's supposed to be close to 70 degrees today, so that's that's a good day in spring for Boone.
1: <laughs> Heck, yeah. Can't Can't beat that. Well, Coach, before we get into the kind of the topic at hand, I want to chat with you a bit about, about what's going on at App State, App State Wrestling. Um, you know, your thoughts on, on the conclusion of your guys' season, seeing Milner get on the podium for the second time. Just want to kind of kick it to you and get, get your thoughts on what's going on at, at App State right now.
3: You know, it's a a really exciting time for our program. I think our program is starting to build the consistency that that we talk about and and that, uh, you know, we've been talking about for for the last decade is, you know, trying to consistently produce All-Americans, you know, put our team in a, you know, a consistent top 25 uh, conversation. And, uh, you know, I think that's something we've been able to do. And, and, you know, just if you look at the success our program's had over the last, you know, six, seven years and the consistency – with which we've been able to do it, you look at our home dual meet crowds in Varsity Gym where we're packing out, you know, our, our home venue and, you know, continuing to increase fan attendance and alumni support and, and those kind of things I think just shows the, you know, the growth and the, the strength of our overall program. And, and honestly, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot brighter things coming, you know, here in the upcoming years.
1: How important is it to have a guy, uh, a, a stud like Milner on your team that is so reliable, consistent all year for really a couple seasons straight now being so good? Um, how, how important is that for for the for the team culture?
3: Well, oh, it, it's it's really important. And, and I think uh, not only to mention, you know, that, you know, Jonathan's a phenomenal wrestler, but but I think also just kind of the way he leads. You know, he's very bought into the program and our core beliefs and our our team culture and you know as a really good wrestler in your program if they're bought into those core beliefs and team culture that, that that's really what makes a difference because that's what feeds and, and permeates through the rest of the program and, and the other wrestlers and um, you know i think he's you know he's the obviously you know the most recent all-american but i think we've been you know consistently having all-americans here for the last decade and i think that's something that a lot of recruits are taking note of. And, uh, you know, a lot of our donors are, are getting excited and, and want us to, you know, want to see that continue growing where we're having, you know, continued success and multiple All-Americans and, and um, you know, have our first national champ.
1: Do you expect Milner to, to return next year? I know he has an extra year, but it would be, a, I think, it's maybe a sixth year or fifth year.
3: Yeah, he definitely has a COVID year left. And uh, we are, you know, we've had some conversations conversations over the last couple of weeks since the NCAAs and uh, he's going to make an announcement at the end of this week and uh, I'm not I'm not going to steal his thunder I'll let him make that announcement but uh, yeah we're in conversations he does have one year left. Outstanding
1: well cool we'll look forward to that uh, update from Milner Uh, but getting to the to the topic at hand coach um, starting with with RTCs uh, the the MAC and the SOCON were kind of uh, driving forces behind some some RTC legislation to kind of limit some of the scope of, of the athletes that can take advantage of it, et cetera. It certainly started a conversation within wrestling about RTCs, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, just wanted your perspective on it. I know I kind of understand the conference's perspective, but curious for, for yours, Coach.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously I have have a – Perspective of my own, and I'm not sure. I mean, I've read the legislation. I don't think all that proposal came from the Southern Conference. I think there were bits and pieces that were kind of um, mingled in with with maybe some proposals of the Max. But but honestly, it's you know it's not been something that we've discussed a lot in the conference in the last within the last 12 months. But you know, my own personal belief is is obviously we have an RTC here now because I think that you have to have one. Uh, you know to. To be relevant in the recruiting process now, it's one of the first things that that all recruits and, and their parents want to know if you have an RTC. Um, my personal opinion is is that they've gotten a little out of control. I think there's got to be we've got to rein in some kind of regulations because essentially it's you know it's becoming you know quite the challenge because now it's just allowing teams to use their RTC to do things that are outside of ncaa regulations and really right now the the rtcs are not really that regulated and so you know i think that's where the challenge comes i think personally for me being at a mid-major um it, it's another challenge because i mean it's you know already the amount of money that we have to raise to uh, support our our team and, and our current pro program here is you know you add on top of that an rtc and it just really you know, it's just – it's a really a, a large hill to climb. And, you know, I, I think I'd heard – I mean, I haven't really followed a lot of the conversation, but I've heard, you know, comments being made that, you know, smaller schools, if, you know, they're just lazy if they're not, you know, funding a ton of money to RTCs will – you know, obviously, I think that's just a ridiculous comment. I mean, I, I think each program is can kind of stand on their own two feet, whether, you know, how much work they're doing and, and this and that. But, you know, you got to understand something at a mid-major – you know, if that if that program is expected to raise, let's just say, you know, 100, 150000 dollars a year to provide operating budget, uh, provide volunteer assistance, supplements for their assistant coaches. When you when you look at that number, and then you couple that on top of that, um, you know, trying to raise money for scholarships, and then you have the current needs of your program, and then now this RTC expectation just to try to keep up. Um, and remain relevant is added on top of that i think it's just a you know i think it's it's just an uneducated opinion if you if you just randomly say well you know the smaller schools they're just they're just lazy you know because a lot of those schools you know i mean (laughs) that have these rtcs that are you know talking about million dollar endowments and stuff they're not having to worry about raising money for their operating budget or their um you know just scholarships you know just the things that they take for granted that are provided to them uh, I think so. I think it's, you know, everybody has their own perspective. Uh, I do think that RTCs have been great for our freestyle uh, level athlete, freestyle and Greco level athletes in this country. I just feel like that it's becoming so unregulated. And now that, you know, it's kind of getting intermingled with the NIL stuff. And, and I think that obviously there's some recruiting advantages, but not only that, some recruiting that's, going against the NCAA rules, but it's kind of done outside where it really can't be regulated. And so I think there's some real issues that, that have to be addressed and, and kind of, you know, how do you how do you make it to where it's beneficial uh, for all, but also within the rules? And that's kind of where my perspectives come from is it's just allowed, you know, programs to just do things outside of the NCAA because it's not regulated.
1: Yeah. So is is that the concern you're talking about with the regulations with the NCAA? Is it particularly with the, the high school kids that have access to the RTCs and the, the coaching that's going on there? Is that the main sticking point with a lot of coaches that they're concerned about?
3: I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for other coaches. because I think every coach has a, yeah. a different opinion. I'm just speaking from my personal opinion. Um, I mean, obviously I think there's some, some issues there. I mean, you've got, you've got freshmen and sophomores in high school committing to programs now that you see them making commitments – when you're not supposed to be having contact with freshmen and sophomores in high school. So my question is how are they making commitments and how do they know what that program is gonna be able to offer them and things like that if they're not doing it through the RTC route? They're not supposed to have kids on campus for visits, but within the RTC rules now, basically you can kind of get around that where kids are essentially on official visits, whether it's an official visit or not by NCA guidelines. Um, So obviously, I mean, I I don't know that that's, you know, something that's, that's been thought about, but obviously there, I think there is some, some recruiting advantages there. Uh, I'm not sure that it's affected us or or not, but um, I do think there's the potential there for some tremendous recruiting advantages that go outside the NCAA guidelines, but, but more so I think for what, what I think directly affects me is a smaller program, you know, now with the RTCs, the way they're funded and then you blend that with the NIL uh, you know mm-hmm. stuff that's coming out, you know, you do a really good job of developing an athlete that maybe was not a high recruit coming out of high school and and you get them to where they're they're performing at a high level, you know, coming in all-american things like that. Now, those RTCs and with the NIL legislation Basically, you, you see it. I mean, and I think it's you can see it just in you know the last two weeks is athletes are going to different schools and there's there's rumblings and I don't know what's true and what's not true of you know two hundred thousand dollar deals to get get athletes to move to other programs. I, I don't know that that's um, you know something that's maybe we didn't know how that was going to all play out, but I, I think it's just it poses a real challenge. I mean, like you know the where I see it really hurting smaller schools is is you do a really good job developing talent and you get a guy to a certain point and then he's being recruited by other programs. And if you can't match what they're offering him, you know, you're probably going to lose him. And uh, I don't know if that's where we want to go as a sport. I mean, maybe some people act, you know, think that that may be where we want to go as a sport, but I know that we only have 77 division one programs right now. And if you have the mindset that, that the mid majors really don't matter because they're not driving the needle then we'll probably soon be down to forty or fifty programs, and eventually, if you don't have anything but P5s, is it even an NCA sport? Yeah. So I think no. we better under, we better start thinking about it as a sport like how it affects those smaller schools, not just thinking. Well, they don't really drive the needle, so who cares what they think?
1: What so, What are the changes uh, that you you think are need to happen within the RTCs?
3: Well, you know, I don't know how, but but I feel like they need to be in some form or fashion separated because, you know, like, for instance, you know, I can tell you just from personal experience right now, it's been harder for mid-majors to retain and get, you know, quality assistant coaches because now the RTCs are paying guys to stick around, you know, at at a lot of bigger schools are paying quite a bit of money just to have athletes stick around and just be training partners for their current student athletes. So they're you know, not only, you know, you, you now that the assistant candidate pool is a lot smaller than it's ever been. You know, if you go looking for an assistant coach, like you've got to pay them way more, which is a good thing. Uh, but there's just so many, uh, RTCs that are are keeping guys around through the RTC to just be training partners. And, And those guys may or may not even be training necessarily to try to make a world or an Olympic team. So, I think that's, that's been a challenge that I've seen. It's like, you know, athletes can now stick around and, and make a lot of money just being training partners, you know, which has really hurt the the amount of, you know, candidates in the yeah. assistant coaches' pools for, for smaller programs.
1: So do you think um, – do you still think there should be – so you're talking about like a little bit of separation, but um, do you think um, – do you, do you think the, the move to local sports clubs is is the move for RTCs, changing that and no longer having any sort of on-campus uh, affiliation? Is that something you you're, you think would be helpful? Or do you th- not think it has to be that uh, much of a shift?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think for me, um, this is something that like I, I probably would like to spend a little more time diving into. It. And I think it's yeah. something probably on a national level we need to talk about more. Uh, but... I mean, honestly, most of the stuff that uh, can be done at a local sports club would still allow, uh, you know, some of the stuff that's going on at RTCs right now to happen. But, but what I see is like, you know, if if there's, I guess, where is the balance at? Because if if you take the RTCs off the college campuses, I know the biggest concern is the money's not going to follow. You know, I think there's no question about it. Like that, a lot of these these big RTCs have raised a ton of money because they know that it directly affects the college program, right? There's in my opinion. And again, this is just my opinion. I'm not speaking for anyone else, but I don't think that you have multimillion dollar endowments if that's not connected with that college program, because a lot of those donors want to see national titles for that college program even more so than they want to see those Olympic level athletes that are training in the RTC get gold, bronze, silver, at the world at limp level. And that's just my opinion. You know, yeah. somebody might disagree with true. me, but, but I, I think that that's the case. And I'm sure USA wrestling wants the RTCs to stay on college campuses because it's a tremendous amount of fun of funding and you're keeping athletes, um, you know, training and competing longer, you know, so I get why they want to keep them on college campuses. I just, you know, where do you find the balance of, you know, now essentially having, Four coaches and 9.9 scholarships is really not the thing if now you have an RTC, in my opinion. Like, now you you have a lot more resources than four coaches and, and 9.9 scholarships. And yeah. so I, I think that's how, how do you, how do we address that as a sport? You know, I mean, how, how do you address it? And, and I think it's not just our sport, but this NIO legislation is going to be, you know, hard to navigate for a lot of sports. I just really see it. I mean, it's just crazy right now.
1: For, for your program, how much NIL conversation has has been had? I know as far as talking with the athletes and whatever, there's sort of there's a lot of restrictions around what you're able to do, but how much of it is is trickling down into to your guys' program?
3: Well, it's definitely trickling down right now. I mean, I'm having to have conversations because proxies from other programs, and I'm not going to call programs out, We're recruiting Jonathan Milner at the NCAA tournament. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not, and obviously it can't, you know, there's nothing that could tie them back to a program, but they're just, you know, having, and I'm sure that's what's happening when you see these high profile athletes transfer from one school to another. Uh, you know, it might not be directly from the coaching staff, but their proxies are already, you know, getting in those athletes ears. And, and if, uh, essentially you're going to have to be able to connect them with an NIL on your campus that can, they can make money to keep them. You know, and, and that's where that's where it becomes really difficult. You know, it's like, man, it's uh, just uncharted waters. I mean, I think, you know, we have, you know, we're becoming to where we're having to become more involved and, and look at the NIL stuff just because we may have to have it just to keep our athletes that we develop, you know, which, you know, you know, that's a challenge when when you, you know, you're underfunded. And you're recruiting athletes who are not the top athletes in high school and you do a really good job developing them. Right Now you have to recruit them again and you have to find money for them just to keep them, you know. And so that that's the challenge, you know. And I'm not sure if, if um, you know, if you're the common wrestling fan that you kind of see that perspective, you know. And so that's, that's you know, that's a challenge. But, yeah, I mean, we're having to have conversations right now because, you know, there's programs that you have proxies that are already promising, you know, money to – athletes to transfer, you know, once you've kind of made them, put them on the national radar.
1: So w- one of my questions, and one thing I, I've noticed just kind of since I've really started following the recruiting and the NCAA legislation, all that stuff, is there's so much talk about the, the programs that are, they skirt around the rules, and they do this, and they do that, but when push comes to shove, and, and no one really wants to ever say it, like the coaches will kind of like allude to it, or what, what what do you think that is? What What is it about that that people are just like a little reserved to, to put it out there? Because it seems like it never really comes to a head because it's kind of kept like, well, that's just kind of how it
3: is. Well, I think that obviously having proxies uh, that are doing a lot of the talking to the student athletes, it's like hard to ever pinpoint. And it's like, yeah. how would you ever, you know, how would you ever have the time and the resources to pinpoint them on it and actually do something about it. And then the other thing is this, technically your compliance office on your campus is the people who really are in charge of regulating your sport. So Mm -hmm. I know this, like, you know, like in my campus, my compliance office is, you know, what they allow me to get their interpretation or what they allow me to get by with a lot of times is, is what I'm able to do. Whereas on another campus, if you've got a compliance office that thinks this is completely okay and, um, you know, it's done through someone else or an RTC, you know, affiliate, then then maybe they don't even think that it's, it's against the rules. And, and so I think that's the real challenge is like, you know, how do we get to where, you know, it's everybody's on the understanding of what's, you know, and, and a little bit of it goes to integrity, like, you know, it's like. What what do we, I mean, I I actually have a, you know, I've gotten to where it bothers me seeing kids verbally commit like football players do to three or four different programs and then sign with a different one. Like, I don't know. Like I just, something about that just, you know, I'm not sure if that's the direction I would like to see our sport go, but, but it seems it's going more and more that direction. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I guess it's kind of, you know, how does a coach, you know, like I said, make a you know i think that's probably why they don't talk about it they don't want to make a statement publicly that they can't yeah there are enough evidence to do anything about right. uh, it's just almost not worth the fight
1: so how does that work for for john uh is that literally someone in the middle of ncaa's is, is having a conversation with him or they they is it cell phone communication
3: reaching out to people that they know are in contact with him people that are close to him, finding out, you know, would he be interested in this? Would he be interested in that? You know, we might have this for him. Um, Man. You know, I don't Man. think it was directly through him, but, you know, I am I mean, it's it's happening. Trust me, it's happening. And it's yeah. not just happening to my athletes. It's happening to a lot of athletes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Um, that's got to be insanely stressful, Coach. It's <laughs> Stress, Kind of stressing me out just thinking about – the the obstacles you know when you develop a guy and then okay they can just get their pick of the litter and it's it's something where i mean i'm sure you're doing this as well but like a lot it used to be you know you're, you spend all your money in recruiting college athletes now a lot of these programs they're saving they're setting aside aid for just stri- strictly for transfers uh so it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely more in the mentality than maybe it was before
3: yeah absolutely and i think you know obviously the transfer portal and the new rules and regulations regarding transfers is has really changed the dynamics of of how programs recruit i mean you see some programs that really they put all they put a lot of their resources into transfers you know rather than uh, necessarily developing athletes that they recruit from high school they want to try to you know piece together a team every year of you know pulling in the best transfers they can find um, and then some programs are more about, you know, building the student athlete, recruiting them out of high school, developing them and, and that kind of thing. Um, but it's definitely changed the dynamic. I mean, it's it's really you know, changed the dynamic. And I think it's obviously something that with the in the combination of the RTC and the NIL with the transfer rules, man, it's it's a real it's a real challenge. And, and it is. I mean, it's it's frustrating. You, you do all the work to build someone and you make them known where they weren't known coming out of high school. And then all of a sudden now, uh, people are coming around and, and, uh, trying to be shady, getting them to, you know, sell their allegiances and, you know, transfer another school for for dollars. You know, man,
1: that is rough. Um, well, I hope he stays, um, and can't wait to find out later this week, what, what he ends up doing. Um, coach, you want, want to talk a little bit more about, about just what's happening you know, next year for you guys at App State, obviously you guys have been, uh, you know, t- a top program in the SoCon for the last couple of years. You've won six SoCon titles yourself. But talk a little bit about more what what's happening at App State right now.
3: So one of the things that I'm really excited about, and most people who have have followed our program, you know, closely, and I think even at a national level, a lot of people don't know this, is up until, I mean including this year, up until this point, we've only had five scholarships. And most people don't even realize that, you know, like we're competing with half the scholarships of most all our competitors. And so I think that's what, for me, the thing that I'm most proud of is that, you know, a lot of the success that you're talking about and that we've had, we've been doing it with minimal resources compared to all of our competitors. And uh, one of the things I'm excited about Uh, You know, we're going to get some scholarship increases here over the next couple of years to where we're going to start climbing uh, closer to being fully funded. And so for this next year, uh, we're going to have an additional couple of scholarships that our administration's uh, giving us. And so that's a big deal. You know, when you're looking at adding two more scholarships, uh, you know, that's going to obviously help the the talent level in our room and our ability to go out and and keep, um, you know, recruiting young men that, that can buy into our culture and fit into our program. And, you know, obviously I think will help us continue to try to strive to, to achieve new heights. And, uh, that's the thing I'm, I'm most excited about. One of the things that I've talked about for the last couple of years is my, my, biggest challenge has been scholarships. You know, obviously I have to raise, you know, our program raises a lot of money just so we can remain uh, competitive from a, uh, operating standpoint so we can travel and we can get our guys to all the, the different events that they need to be at, uh, to help them grow and, and develop. Uh, but then also, you know, ra- raising money for volunteer assistant coaches and for, uh, you know, assistant coaches, uh, supplements and things like that. Uh, but the, the real challenge has been scholarships because at the end of the day, you know, it's hard to, hard to win if you don't have the athletes. And, uh, you know, I think we do a really good job of developing here. Um, but you still, you got to have, you know, talent. And you and you, uh, you got to have, uh, you know, the more talent you have, obviously the more opportunities there are to develop and produce All-Americans and national champions and that kind of thing. So just really proud of our program and, and kind of how we've been resilient uh, with minimal resources. And I'm excited to see uh, our administration and, and our supporters uh, start start recognizing those efforts and putting more money and funding into our program. So there's a lot going to be a lot of exciting things going to be coming out here in the next, uh, several years. A lot of great behind the scenes conversations that are going on about funding that they're that hopefully going to be a game changer for this program.
1: That is great news. Uh, for sure. What, what is the biggest factor for those that maybe don't understand the scholarship thing? It's not as simple as, Oh, we just need money for this scholarship. It, it's a lot more, um, or a lot more red tape to, to go through. So what what were the steps that are required for you guys to get this additional? Was it just, hey, App State's performing, they per, perform consistently in wrestling, so they get more? What are, what are the steps that were, that enabled you guys to do that?
3: Well, so there was a, a couple of things that, that happened on our campus and at the UNC systems level. Uh, you know, the Board of Governors, with some of how scholarships were packaged and things like that, that actually uh, made our scholarship dollars stretch farther, so to speak. But I think the other thing that, that you have to manage is it's not just about money. I mean, because obviously there's a certain dollar amount that I'm given to fund scholarships with, but also on each campus you have a Title IX balance. Yeah. So when you raise, uh, let's say that you had you three scholarships to a men's sport, uh, the expectation is is that you also have to fund that from a female sport perspective. So essentially, a lot of times you're not funding three scholarships; you're funding six. And so, you know, that's the the give and take uh, to try to increase scholarships that, that a lot of people might not know about. Um, and even you know, COVID. I think obviously the you know COVID couple of years that that everybody was dealing with COVID really hurt uh, a lot of a lot of athletics departments. I mean, you saw programs being dropped. Yeah across the nation, you know, and even here at Appalachian state, there were three men's sports that were dropped during COVID. Mm. Thankfully wrestling was not one of them. Uh, But, you know, that's, you know, obviously the amount of funding that uh, each athletics department was depending on each year from, you know, ticket sales for football games, basketball games, wrestling matches, stuff like that, that obviously played a factor. Um, And so, you know, even for me personally, our summer camps are some of the biggest in the country. And, you know, we have a great camp system, but during COVID we had two summers without camps. Mm. And so that affected funding for my program for volunteer assistant coaches, assistant coaches, supplements, things like that, and even money that goes toward our operating budget. So um, there's a lot of give and take, but just on the scholarship piece alone, it's not just on the, the financial side of things, but you're also at the same time having to figure out how to balance it from a gender equity standpoint yeah
1: yeah 100 um well exciting stuff you guys having uh, camps this
3: summer yeah we've got we're wide open for the first time since covid uh we're gonna have wide open camps this summer registrations are already going great uh, if you're out there and you're a high school uh, wrestler or a high school coach and, and you're interested in some of the best camp systems in the country uh, give App State Wrestling a, a look. Uh, you can go to our camp website. It's www.appstatewrestlingcamps.com, And uh, it's got all the information about all the different camps we offer. And, uh, you know, we expect to have, you know, be back in full force and really excited to to get our camps going again this summer.
1: That's awesome. Get your teams. Hey, there are worse places to be than Boone, North Carolina. I can tell you that right now.
3: Yeah. We have camp. We have teams that come to our camp from all over the country. I mean, we've had teams from as far away as Oregon, Oklahoma, uh, Texas, Louisiana, all the way up north to, uh, you know, New York, Connecticut, uh, Midwest, uh, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania. I mean, we, we have teams from all over the country that come to our team camps. And so our, we have a great reputation and. Uh, you know, I think a lot of teams that that come to our camps they're repeat customers because they have such a great experience. That's awesome. Well, you can see the link there. Tyler put it up. JD will
1: put the link to App State's camps in the in the show notes. Um, Coach, one last question before you. Go. Our, our producer Tyler found this picture of your mascot, and uh, he thinks it might be the coolest mascot in the country. Um, did, would you uh, throw your throw your support behind that? And what is your mascot's actual name?
3: Okay. So obviously we're the Mountaineers, uh, yeah. but, but our actual mascots name is Yosef. And so, nice. uh, Yosef that's, that's the name of our mascot. And, and that's what our booster club, that's what the Yosef, the Yosef club is is what it's called. And, uh, yeah, I love our mascot. I love the, the rugged, uh, mountain man look. And, uh, I think it fits here in the high country and in and, and the mountains of, of Western North Carolina. So, I love our mascot. I think it's a great mascot. I love our colors. And, um, yeah, his name is Yosef.
1: Yosef. Man, Bracky may want to fight me, but I, I think your Mountaineer looks tougher than, than their Mountaineer. I'll, I'll just leave it at that.
2: I love when you all do the big blow-up of him uh, at the duels.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes for a great, great atmosphere.
1: <clears throat> That's awesome. Well, well Coach, um, man, I really, really appreciate you you coming on. Do you have anything else before before we let you get back to your day? No, just mentioning,
3: uh, you know, kind of our match day experience. I think all, one of the things that shows the growth of our program is, is we do, uh, we pack our gym for our home wrestling matches. This year we broke a program record for season ticket sales, uh, grossing over $23,000 uh, for ticket sales for our program. Uh, you know, for the NC State match, when we dueled NC State, it was 1,300 people that showed up for that match at varsity gym. Most every match we wrestle, it's it's around 1,000. So, uh, you know, great atmosphere. If you've never been to a dual meet at Appalachian State, make plans, come out to one of our dual meets. It's just a very hostile environment. And even our opposing teams and coaches will tell you that it's a, it's a hard place to wrestle. You come to Varsity Gym, very knowledgeable and, and passionate fan base. So, you know, a lot of great things going on in this program. I appreciate you guys giving me the time to talk about it. Uh, I'm excited about not only our program, we do, I don't know, we talked a lot about RTCs. We've got our RTC up and running and funding behind it, our nonprofit set up. Our RTC is the Boone RTC. You can go on to all the social media accounts. It's got its own social media account, and that's also going to, you know, like admittedly, it's going to allow us to do some things for our program that probably we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So.
1: Awesome. Well, Coach, um, thanks so much for your time. All you other coaches out there, you Johnny-come-latelys, Father and Jonathan Milner, you let him alone. You had your chance. You blew it. You missed out. Leave him alone. Let him stay at App State. Thanks a lot for your time, Coach. And we'll see it. We'll see you next time. We'll try to get to a duel at some point.
3: Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Thanks, Coach. There it is. And you know, it's funny because Kozak, you, you, uh, I think you asked a question as we were talking about, like, hey, should we, should we ask if they've been reaching out to, yeah, uh, Milner, and sh- yeah. Absolutely they are, and mm-hmm. man, yeah, it's, it's a really tough, I mean, Coach Bentley's position is really difficult in that, it's like, if, you know, b- big program X said, hey, we've got this, you know, you got, and it is these proxies, they use the dads, they use these people, mm-hmm. these just affiliated, and it's totally, um, yeah, on, and they have this degree of separation from the coaches, right. even though they are absolutely taking their cues from the coaches in these scenarios. What? How do you police that?
0: Well, And it was interesting, too, because as I was talking, I'm like, all right, there's got to be somebody who's violated this. And there's got to be some kind of, like, investigation going on. And I put it in the chat there. There's, there's football players from Miami and BYU. Their NIL deals are getting investigated right now because the, the deals aren't supposed to be tied to attending the university. So, I mean, yeah. really, if they wanted to try to pursue it and turn them into some kind of uh, compliance, I mean, that's... To, totally against the rules,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. And and part of the problem is, I think, in wrestling is, I don't think the NCAA really cares to look into it all that much. I mean, how... Mm. I mean, there may be been... Um, c- certainly, there is some um, stuff going on in wrestling. There's violations. And then I think every now and again, you'll hear about some of the, um, the penalties, but you very rarely hear about it. So, I, I think the general thought is, like, yeah, the is not really interested in and looking into this all that much. And they mm. they probably got their hands full with the football and basketball enough as it is. And um, compliance is a weird thing. As, as Coach Coach Bentley said, um, you know, every school basically has different NCAA rules, even mm-hmm. though they're all supposed to be following the same. Right. Like everyone is uh, interpreting it differently. So very interesting.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be the, the thing to follow maybe in the next year or so is if there's going to be more um, uh, rules established around NIL and what you have to do in reporting it. Like, I think, from my perspective, it would make a lot of sense if every NIL deal had to be made public, right? Because then you could see where the, yeah. where the funds are coming from, what they're getting. I think that would make, make a lot of sense. Um, but I don't know if that's unrealistic. Yeah, maybe
1: unrealistic for, for all the all those details to be mm-hmm. released. But, um, yeah, certainly something. But yeah, I definitely uh, empathize with, with Coach Bentley's position there that, that they're in, doing a good job. You build a guy up, and then, you know, everyone's blowing up Milner now because he's going to make their team better. Yeah. So, it's I, wild. I hope he stays um, if he comes back. Sounds like sounds like we'll find out soon, so that'll be exciting. We'll definitely cover Into the that. Week. End of the week. So we'll try to be all over that. Um get to some questions and things um, or, or I guess was there anything out of NIL to discuss or RTC I mean it it sounds like um, <clears throat> Coach Bentley doesn't want the is not advocating for like wholesale um, changes at the RTC level right which I think is good I think Just we some regulations yeah some regulation. the problem is what I pointed out earlier is like the NCAA doesn't seem to have much interest in regulating mm. what's happening in wrestling so there it's going to be Gonna be tough. Okay, get to some questions. I had an email question from a, uh, a guy named Martin Davidson, and he said uh, he he was chiming in about you know the difficulty winning says but then he said wanted to have more talk on the portal. Uh, Woods going to Iowa sent hints into the portal. There's a whole dynamic you could discuss about coaches and their guys move aside for a kid that has better results. Henson didn't get a chance to prove himself, in my opinion. If I were a head coach, I'd have a hard time getting a transfer to come in and start over my kid I recruited and worked with for a couple years. Um, what's that say about you as a coach? I'd love to hear your perspective. Well, um, my thought on this is – well, and and just pretend that I'm not talking about the, a Wyatt Henson situation or any situation in particular. I think when they're – They say recruited over a guy. It's like, man, your job is to get good wrestlers on your team, right? Yeah, that is your job. And I think you could say someone like Wyatt Henson hasn't had a chance to prove their shot. But at the same time, nobody is more aware of what that guy is probably going to bring next year than the coaching staff. So it's not just how did he perform in opens? What are you seeing every day? What is the thing? And you're like, okay, well, I know what Real Woods can do. And I see what recruit X, this guy, just taking hints and out of it because I'm not speaking any specifics other than these coaches know what these guys got. They know what they're gonna bring. They know who's gonna be a monster and they know who's whatever, right? So I think they know what's in the room. They know they can approximate the production, especially these these high level programs. They know what future all-americans national champions look like in general and then there is a chance there is also the chance that like hey yeah they i you make a mistake here but i think in general they're they know what they're doing here and they're they're calculated and they're not gonna get someone out of their program that they think is going to be winning national titles for them eventually
0: yeah i mean (laughs) you you think back even like uh with gilman and clark were on we're the same, you know, same weight, same year. Yeah. And you've heard Gilman talk about it. It's like, hey, if I'm not the best guy in the room, like that's on, that's on me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think, you know, maybe we, we don't think about it the same way as some high level athletes where if you're, if you're building a room, you want the guys to think, hey, I'm the, I'm the best guy. I don't care who you bring in. Right. And yeah. that's, that's kind of the way I, I think about it. Um, but yeah, there is a loyalty factor for sure.
1: For sure, and, you know, I mean, I, I doubt there's no coaches that are saying, hey, yeah, I mean, the idea that, that Iowa or Penn State or Oklahoma State, or Ohio State, et cetera, are not going to try to improve their um, – now, the, the, an example of a, a slight backfire, maybe not a backfire, but, you know, a neg- negative was was the orndorff job, and that can happen, right? Mm-hmm. You can have a – yeah, you think you're getting a bigger upgrade than maybe you really are. Who knows? But – In general, I I don't think it's – the coaches are loyal to their team and their institution that they're supposed to – that's who they work for. They work for the school, and they're supposed to Mm -hmm. get results.
2: Also, not every scenario is a coach reaching out to an athlete. I think if Athlete X says, hey, I want to come be a part of your program.
1: Yeah. You saying no? <laughs> it's it sounds like that's a lot of how the. Real Wood says he
2: wants to come to your program. You Gabe, saying
1: no? It was Gabe that reached out to, uh, the 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 Penn State Max Dean thing was like, more initiated on the on the Dean family side, hmm. than, Kale and company reaching out. That was the uh, I'm pretty sure how, um, Gabe told the, what he told me and has told to others. So it's not always hey, they're reaching out, trying to get these kids to move. Now, that def- I'm not saying that doesn't happen. It definitely happens, right? But um, sometimes it's exactly what JD described, and the national champion 197, mm-hmm. I think, fits that description.
0: Right, and it's interesting you bring up Max because I remember from his interview after he won NCAA, he's like, hey, I wanted to be at Penn State regardless of if I was starting or not. So, like, even from the other end, the guy yeah. coming in, like, hey, if I wasn't even a starter, I was okay with that. Like, I don't know he says that i don't know if it
1: means it <laughs> and then that was yeah but that was a com- i mean he changed his weight to mm-hmm. to go to penn state he's he's in, yeah. he's an 84 probably um but he went up to because obviously he's, he's not going to beat aaron i say i say obviously i think it'd be a probably a pretty competitive match but my gosh he just won the he just won the weight up so mm-hmm. he's, it'd probably be a good match but for their team i think it works better and then for someone like beard um he has every opportunity to make the team and and do that and you know I th- I think it's fair. Uh, so yeah, I don't think it's loyalty or disloyalty unless you're telling a kid, yeah, we're not going to recruit over you or we're going to let you start. But like that would that's just not a sentence that's going to be said to these guys. Um, so there's so much unseen. All we see are like the results of the matches. There's like there's literally a year and a half of things that happen with the, with a different athlete that that can lead to. An athlete you know coaches looking outside of the program uh, another question how do you think real woods will adjust to a Big Ten schedule he wrestled in four duels last season Iowa had 15 how do you think he'll just a one-hour weigh-in triple the amount of times he's used to so I don't know um, the lack of, of matches for real I'm curious if you remember when they first announced Stanford was gonna drop he was like, okay, I'm. he was like in hustle mode to finish his degree so he could transfer. And I don't know if he like totally like loaded up his course load in such a way that it, he wasn't able to train or wrestle as much or really impacted his schedule. I, I'm literally making this up. But I do know that that was a thing when the programming – and so maybe it was something like that. Maybe he was dinged up. Certainly, it is a different thing when you jump into the Big Ten schedule. And that will be – be an adjustment now someone like real with his style i feel like will translate and be able to be able to do it but it will definitely be a, a a shift for him but i don't think it's one that he's gonna have a super difficult transition making
0: how does how does 141 look in the uh the big 10 next year
1: so i, mean, I know it's always it's good, it's gonna be good let me look here real quick
0: because nick lee's gone ironman's gone
1: Sebastian Rivera's gone. Yeah, Beech is just gone. So forty-one loses Lee, adds Bo Bartlett probably. Mm-hmm. It loses Ironman, adds um, Real Woods. I'm trying to pull it up. We're the way too early. Here we are, insanely early, even one forty-one. It's not gonna be great. So it's not. It's not. I mean, Berglund. Berglund. Berglund's mm-hmm. gonna be the number one guy probably um, coming into season, or probably probably real, and then. So Berglund, Talshahar, um, Demilio, Zargo. I mean, this is it it's a. Yeah, you could see um Jesse Mendez in there, Buzakis, depending yes, on. What see, would here's work the out. thing, bizarre or not Buzakis, Mendez is not looking like a forty one pounder to me right now. I think he's going
0: sixty one this summer for uh, juniors. That is hundred
1: and thirty three ish pounds, mm-hmm. so that's that's telling. Um I don't know, but so, yeah, has not has not grown yet. Obviously, still will, but at this point, he he doesn't look quite like a, mm-hmm. a 41, um, which I thought he he would be for sure at this point. But gr- you never know how these kids are are or aren't going to grow. But looking at 141, man, it's it's not going to be the mm-hmm. the murderer's row that like a 74 right. or a, you know, in, basically all the other weights typically are. Um, so I, I think he'll be able to do it. Um, of note, Real Woods, speaking of Real Woods, he'll be on the Bader show like right after this show. Mm-hmm. So you could listen to that and wow. um, Bader can put him on the spot um, and say, hey. Name your proxies. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't mean about that. But yeah, well, you know, talk proxies. Uh, okay. Any other questions before we go? Uh, I think that's good. We can... Um, we can kick it to the to the rest that didn't make it. We thank you guys so much for tuning in on a Wednesday. Special thanks to Coach John Mark Bentley. Special boos to those programs sniffing around the Johnny-come-latelys. You had your shot. 2018. You didn't have any pay Miller any mind then, so don't enter the chat now. Let him alone. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back tomorrow. Hope you guys have a great Wednesday. See you next time. Bye.